This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Look with me over to to, uh, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Beginning in verse 23, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had palsy, and he healed them. Now notice he healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. Not one is left out. He didn't come to one that was too hard or too big or too serious. He never came to anybody that had something too long for him to handle. He never came to somebody that was too critically ill for the healing power of God to redeem and restore. And all the people that came to him were healed. Not one left out. Now it seems interesting to me that with the modern day church saying so often and have have taught for years that sometimes God uses sickness and disease to teach you something and that if you find yourself in that place that you should just glorify God in your sickness. It seems interesting to me that Jesus who came to reveal the will of the Father to us in every area, sickness and disease included, never found one that he said to just be patient It's God's will for you to have this disease. But we're supposed to accept the teaching of the modern day church over the example of Jesus, the son of God. Somebody explain that to me. We've already mentioned Matthew chapter eight, but I want you to see it again. Matthew 8, 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Not one was left out that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Now, I know that, that uh, many times people get hung up with the words that it might be fulfilled. And there is some teaching in the modern-day church that Jesus fulfilled the work of God concerning sickness and disease when he was here on the earth. But keep that in mind. I'm going to prove that or disprove that in just a moment. Look with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. It goes on to say, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Therefore said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. Now let's keep reading in chapter 10. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. In other words, it tells us that not only did Jesus heal every sickness and every disease among the people, but when he saw that the work was too great for him to complete, he couldn't get to everybody. He was moved with compassion and ordained 12 others with the same healing power, the same power to cast out devils and sent them forth to do the same work that he was doing. All is a revelation of God's will concerning healing of sickness and disease. Look with me to Matthew chapter 12. 
Remember I told you to keep in mind Matthew 8, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Let me prove to you what this means. Verse 15, it says, But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Not one was left out. Now some would say that Jesus came to the earth and he healed sickness and disease to prove that he was the son of God. To prove that God had power over sickness and disease. Well, let me ask you a question. Why would he have to heal everybody then? If that's his purpose, then just healing a few that had the major sicknesses or diseases of the day would prove that point. He wouldn't have to prove, he wouldn't have to heal everybody to prove that he had power over sickness. The fact that he healed them all tells us that it went more, went further and involved a lot more than just proving his power. But as Jesus said, to show forth the will of God. Now let's keep reading here. As I said, remember Matthew eight sixteen. He healed them all, healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled. Verse 17 goes on to say, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Let me show you what that phrase, that it might be fulfilled, means. Again, verse 15. When Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and he charged them that none should make him known. He's not trying to build a name for himself, folks. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he be sent forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Now let me ask you a question. If this was the fulfillment of what Isaiah said, then the only Gentiles that could trust in the name of Jesus were the ones that were alive in his day. Yet remember, Jesus was not sent to the Gentiles. He told the Syrophoenician woman, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And it was only her faith that crossed that purpose that Jesus had in his ministry. So my point is very simply this. If Jesus fulfilled what Isaiah said about himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses by healing the sick people of his day here on the earth, then Jesus had to fulfill what Isaiah said about in his name shall the Gentiles trust, trust while he was here on the earth which means you can't be saved. No, in fact, this term that it might be fulfilled means the beginning of the fulfillment. See, as far as God is concerned, once Jesus came to the earth to do the work of redemption, the work of redemption was done. That's why the Bible says in the fullness of time, Jesus came to the earth. Because as soon as Jesus set foot on the earth, he set foot on the earth for one and only one purpose, and that was to complete or fulfill God's plan of redemption that had been planned from the foundations of the world. So everything Jesus did was a part of the fulfillment. Now, when was it finally finished and fulfilled, completely fulfilled? When he was raised from the dead. After he did the work on the cross, after he shed his blood, and after he was raised from the dead and sat at the right hand of God the Father. And so what does that mean? That means now the Gentiles shall trust, can trust in his name. But the beginning of that fulfillment started when Jesus was here on the earth. In the same way, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, he healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled. It was the beginning of the fulfillment. 
that would be finished or completed when his work on the cross was done. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Can you see it? I can show you some other examples too, but I think this one suffices. Jesus didn't finish the work of healing here on the earth. He just started it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, I think is the next one. Beginning in verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion. Notice that. Moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. He was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Now, without going into a great bit of detail about this, let me point something out. There are several times where Jesus was moved with compassion and healed. One of the times was in Matthew chapter 8. The only time we have anybody questioning God's will on healing. There was a leper that came to Jesus and said, Master, if you will, you can heal me. And Jesus, moved with compassion, immediately stretched forth his hand and fixed his understanding. He answered his question. He said, I will be thou clean. Now, the only time that we have record of in the scripture of anybody that questioned the will of God, Jesus, to reveal the will of God to us, said, I will. Now, who's authorized to change God's Jesus answer of I will to I won't? Who's authorized to change that? That answer, I will be thou clean. Where Jesus said himself that he was revealing the will of the Father. To know I'm sorry, this sickness is upon you for some greater purpose. Who's authorized to do that? Here's the second point I want you to see about this. If Jesus was moved with compassion and healed their sick, if healing does not belong to the church today, then we'd have to say that God's healing mercy has been modified. Yet the Bible says in Hebrews 8, 6, that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. Well, if his healing mercy or his mercy to heal has been modified, if his compassion is less toward the sick today than it was when Jesus was on the earth, it's certainly not a better covenant to them, those that are sick. Who's authorized to say that the compassion of the Lord to the sick is less today than it was in Jesus' day? The Bible says over and over again, his mercy never fails. That would have to include healing mercy too then, wouldn't it? We're right here in chapter uh, chapter 14 of Matthew. Skip down with me to the 35th verse. I'll start in verse 34. When they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. They found every sick person in that region of the country and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I want you to notice that Jesus in revealing the will of the Father concerning sickness and disease didn't leave one person out, not one so we see that in the 3,500 years ago, it was the will of God to heal all that were sick. We see that in David's day, it was the will of God to heal all that were sick. We see that in Jesus' day, it was the will of God to heal all that were sick. Let me show you one other. I think it's in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon 
which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him. Everybody in the crowd. I don't know how big the crowd was, but the Bible calls it multitudes. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue or power out of him and healed them all. Here's Jesus revealing the will of the Father by healing them all. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, folks, you need to understand some things. First of all, Jesus told his disciples the last night that he was with them at the Last Supper. John chapter 14, he said, The works that I do shall you do also. And even greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. He told them, It's better for you that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Comforter can't come. Now here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that the day of the church, the church age, the day we live in, that which began following his resurrection would be the day when the Holy Spirit would be installed into the office of comforter. Not just the comforter for him. He had been a comforter for Jesus when he was here on the earth. And Jesus did his healing works and and mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Holy Ghost. But that power of the Holy Ghost wasn't available to everybody. He delegated it part-time for a short term to the 12 and then to 70. But nobody else had the access to the power of God to heal the sick. But now Jesus is saying, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Not just you 12, but anybody that believes in my name. Why would we expect the power of the Holy Ghost to be greater in the day before he was installed into office than the day after? See, for somebody to say the day of miracles or the age of healing is past is to say the Holy Ghost is less powerful or less important now than he was when Jesus was here on the earth. Yet Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, then the Holy Ghost can't come. And he's going to be the one that empowers you to do the same works and greater works. Now, I know a lot of times people focus on the greater works and I've heard people say, well, the greater works is getting people saved. Okay, I'm not going to argue that point. But Jesus didn't just say you'd do greater works. He said you'd do the same works and greater works. Now, who in the world in their right mind would claim that the same works did not include healing the sick? There's tons in the scripture, in the gospels, about Jesus healing the sick. But now, all of a sudden, that part's supposed to be cut out? When Jesus said himself, the works that I do shall you do also, and even greater works than these shall you do. 
What about the day of the church? What about the church age? Well, in Acts chapter 10, when Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house, in verse 38, he seems to understand that it means sickness and disease was paid for by the blood of Jesus, just like sin. He said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The early church understood that healing was a part of the package. Who was authorized to take that away from us? Folks, I want you to see one last thing. In Mark chapter 6, I'm sorry, it's Mark chapter 9. The Bible tells us a story of about a man that brought his son to Jesus, but Jesus wasn't there. And so he's dealt with by the nine apostles that are left. Three of them were with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. And they tried to cast the devil out of this little boy, but they were unable to. When Jesus comes to the, comes upon the scene, he sees the crowd and he says, what's going on? And the father says, I brought my son to your disciples. He's possessed with the devil. And they tried to cast him out, but they couldn't. And Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless generation, how long must I be with you? Bring him unto me. The father comes to Jesus with his son. And the devil tore the little boy in front of Jesus. And Jesus asked the question. He said, how long has it been this way? And the father said, since he was just a young boy. He said, and oftentimes it throws him into the fire or into the water trying to destroy him. And here's what the father has said. He said, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and heal him. And Jesus turns it back on him. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to them that believes. Now, here's what I want you to see about this story. First of all, we know that it was a failure on the part of the disciples. And Jesus explains the reason for the failure. It was because of their unbelief. So you've got a failure to receive healing. I want to let that sink in for a minute. You've got a failure to receive healing because of unbelief. But does that failure change God's will for the young boy to be delivered? Not in the least. Jesus tells the father, if you can believe all things are possible, forget the disciples, forget what they did or didn't do that was right. Forget about them. What can you believe? And the father answers and says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus ministers to the little boy and gets him delivered. So even in cases where there is a failure to receive healing because of unbelief, it's still the will of God for them to be free. Now, here's the reason I mentioned that. Because so much of modern-day church doctrine, Western world church doctrine, is based on a failure to receive. Well, we prayed and it didn't work, so I guess it's not God's will. Your prayer, whether successful or a failure, has nothing to do with the will of God. It can't change the will of God. And it is the will of God from the beginning of the Scripture all the way through the days of the church that all would be healed by the same blood that paid the price for sin. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Verse 23, you're familiar with this one. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now we read that verse of Scripture and we're conditioned to think that He's talking about remission of sins. And He is. But we're conditioned to pigeonhole it. We're conditioned to say that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but God provided for your sins through the redemptive work of Jesus. 
But I want you to understand something. Paul knows that it's an all-inclusive salvation. Paul goes on to say, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. The word propitiation is a real tough word in the English because it literally means the mercy seat. You remember in the Old Testament when the Ark of the Covenant was created, God told him to put a plate or a lid on top of the mercy, on top of the, uh, the Ark that was called the mercy seat. The reason that that was important is that where the, that's where the blood that was shed for the Old Testament Day of Atonement was placed. It was placed on the mercy seat. And what it means is this is the victim that acts as a substitute for mankind concerning his sins. So here where it says God set Jesus forth to be a propitiation, the best way for me to understand it is to insert the word substitute instead. It doesn't literally mean substitute, but that's the thought behind it. It means mercy seat. But the reason the mercy seat is important is because blood was shed by a substitute for you to reap the benefits and the blessings. Does that make sense? So let me read it that way. Whom God has set forth to be a substitute through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. Notice it's remission of sins, not atonement. For the remission, removal of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare at this time. Please notice verse 26. We think the important part is verse 25 that talks about the blood of Jesus. But notice he explains why it's important in verse 26 to declare at this time. Here's what the substitute means. Here's what the shedding of of Jesus' blood means. To declare at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Notice there were two things that were important to God. First, to justify mankind through the blood of the shed blood of Jesus. But the second part, which is equally as important to God, not so much in our thinking, because most people don't realize it, don't understand what's being spoken of. But the second thing that was important to God, equally important to God, was that God make justification for man in a just or holy manner. God couldn't cut corners. Now think about if God could have cut corners. God said, let us make man in our image and let him have dominion over the earth. Then Adam fell. That would have been a perfect time for God to come back and say, well, I'm taking the authority back over the earth. It's not the way I wanted it, but man messed up, so I'm taking it back. But God couldn't take it back because he had already given it to man. God can't cut corners. He can't violate his word. When he said, let man have dominion, man had dominion. So now he has to find a different way to justify man by the rules that he set up through his own words. Here's what that boils down to in the final analysis. That means that unless God was going to include remission of sins in his original plan of redemption, he would be unjust to forgive man's sins in the Old Testament. The Day of Atonement could not have been established unless remission of sins was a part of the original and finished and completed plan. Do you understand what I'm saying? There would have been no legal, rightful, or justification, just and holy manner for God to forgive the sins of the Old Testament through sacrifices and the shedding of blood that was not holy, that was not a worthy sacrifice for man's sins. 
The sin of blood, the, the blood of goats and, and bulls could not suffice for man's blood. It was not a willing, or it was not an equal sacrifice, an equal substitute. Well, then how did God justly forgive the sins of the people? There's only one answer, and that is if the remission of sins, the final payment for man's sins was a part of the plan of redemption that would be finished and completed by Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the only way he could have been just in justifying man. What does that mean concerning sickness and disease? That means it would have been impossible for Jesus to heal the sick on the earth unless healing was a part of the finished and completed work of redemption that Jesus would fulfill. From God's standpoint, from God's point of view, I understand the modern day church doesn't get this, but from God's point of view, the greatest evidence that healing belongs to us now is that Jesus ever healed the sick. And we have numerous examples of where he showed himself to be the master of sickness, just like the master of sin. And that plan of redemption was finished when he was raised from the dead. Let me ask you a question. Your future, your destiny, what is it? Is it a spiritual destiny? Is it a physical destiny? Or is it both? Well, it can't be just a spiritual destiny because the Bible says when Jesus comes back, we'll receive redeemed bodies. If it was just a spiritual destiny, we wouldn't need a redeemed body, would we? Well, then what is it? It's both spiritual and physical. The Bible says that we have the Holy Ghost as a seal toward that which is to come. It says that he's the first fruits of our redemption. Well, what's the first fruits of our physical redemption? The sickness and disease that Jesus paid for. The healing that he accomplished when he did the work on the cross. Folks, if you take the Bible as the answer, there is no way you can doubt God's will concerning your healing. You can't do it. Now, you can come up with your own ideas as the modern day church has done. You can try to explain away failures by things that you don't know as the modern day church has done. But when you know what the Bible says and the character and the nature of the one who inspired it to be written, you cannot deny that it's always been God's will to heal the sick. You cannot deny that Jesus died for our sins and he procured healing for our diseases. Now, who's our? When the Bible says Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, everybody understands that's anybody that will receive. Well, then for whose sicknesses was he wounded? Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, and carried our pains. Who's that hour? Anybody that will believe. It is the will of God for every person on the face of the earth to be healed, just as it's the will of God for every person on the earth to be born again. God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. 
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Christ is our Passover sacrifice for us. Just as real and just as surely as healing was provided through the Old Testament sacrifice, healing is provided through the Lord's Supper now when we rightly discern the Lord's body. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.